Welcome to Florida. That is the voice of Craig Pittman, author and award-winning environmental reporter. My name is Chad Scott, and this episode one of the Welcome to Florida podcast. And of course, Craig, we're talking about alligators. We have to talk about alligators. If you're talking about Florida, you got to talk about alligators. I mean, especially in the spring when they're uh, when the thoughts of young gators lightly turn to thoughts of love, <laughs> and they wind up they wind up on golf courses and people's front steps. We are very fortunate today. We have a guest uh, who you may have seen him, although you may not know his name. There was a viral video that went around recently about a. It showed a man walking up to an alligator that was wearing a T-shirt and lying on a sidewalk, and the gentleman picks up the alligator, a six-foot alligator, I might add, sort of slings it over his shoulder, and then walks into the <laughs> Florida Key Lime Pie Company in Cocoa Beach. People went nuts over this video. They tagged it as only in Florida, and oh my God, this is so bizarre and weird. The gentleman in the in the video is J.R. Green, and he says this is something that happens actually quite often. J.R., how you doing today? Good, good. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Tell us about you and Sweetie the Alligator, please. Sure. Well, Sweetie is a, an educational animal. She is actually a rescue. Uh, she is blind. And I, I know there's a lot of bad information out there going around, but uh, Sweetie is not a pet. It is against the law in Florida to have an alligator as a pet. It is our state reptile. They're very important to the environment, but they are tightly regulated by FWC, our, our law enforcement for animals and wildlife. And we got Sweetie because she, like I said, was a rescue. And a wildlife officer brought her to us because she was so well behaved. He didn't want to have to euthanize it, and he couldn't put it back in the wild anywhere mm -hmm. with her disability. So we were fortunate enough to take her in, and uh, we used uh, all of our animals that we take in for education. In other words, they right. go to schools, they go to churches, civic groups, anybody that wants a program, educational program with live animals, we check them JR, out. JR, let, let, me, let me interrupt you. When you say we, you mean? Uh, Jungle Adventures in Christmas, yes. Florida. And for yes. those uh, who don't yep. know, right, Jungle Adventures yep. Park, Christmas, Florida. Christmas, Florida is about three miles west of I-95 in the Titusville area on State Road 50. How long have you been with uh, Jungle Adventures, JR? Uh, about 40-some years. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 40 yeah, years? Was, so you yeah, about got the hang of it then. <laughs> yep, I, I'm learning the ins and outs of it. <laughs> and but I'm, you know, I, I was lucky enough to be born and raised here in Florida, and that's how I got to know the owner of the Key Lime Pie Store. His, mine and his families go back several generations in here in central Florida. And I got to grow up working with alligators and other animals and uh, being involved with our Game and Fish Commission. I started out working with the biologists, studying them in the wild. Uh, I was a contract trapper for about eight, nine years. And now I'm doing the educational stuff for the different owners of uh, the, the animal parks. And Jungle Adventures started about 50-some years ago as an alligator park and the owners have 20 acres and they work with game and fish on taking animals in that need a home, exotic pets, rescues, things like that. And we just take them around to different venues and try to educate people about Florida's environment. And, and alligators on TV and movies get a bad rap. They're portrayed as monsters mm -hmm. and they're, and they're down here in Florida eating everybody. 
And none of that is true. <laughs> yeah. None of that is true. You know, they do get big. Don't get me wrong. That You have to be careful around them. But it's like the sharks and black bears. You know, if you're smart about being out there and around them, you're not going to have a problem. Yeah. It always does surprise me that, um, and it, it, it really shouldn't, because you look at an alligator, and like you said, the, the, the popular media portrayal Period of them time. is that you yeah. know they're uh, snatching dogs off golf courses, which does happen, and they're biting people in the face, which we did see happen recently. But, you know, they are uh, very low-energy animals like most reptiles are, and, you know, I'm a Florida transplant, and uh, when my wife and I tell friends of ours from other part of the country, we live in, oh, oh my God, are you afraid of the alligators? You know, are you afraid? We see alligators all the time. Obviously, they never bother us. And if, like with most, you know, wild animals, when you give them their distance, they'll give you your distance. And it is true. They are more afraid of you than you are of them. And they want less to do with you, I can promise you, than you want to do with them. Exactly. I say the thing that amazes me is that they they used to be endangered. Mm-hmm. They were on the they were on the original endangered list along with panthers and manatees and key deer, um, bald and, eagles, another thing that you know yeah, we see and, everywhere and, and, in the state now. And thanks to the Endangered Species Act, which was co-written by a Florida man named Nat Reed, they've made this tremendous mm-hmm. comeback to the point where we actually have a program with the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. Yeah. If, you, if you've got an alligator that you consider a nuisance, you call them, and they'll come out and deal with it. Yeah. And it's called the Statewide Nuisance Alligator Program, or SNAP, for short. <laughs> so if yeah. anybody ever tells your bureaucrats don't have a sense of humor, tell them about the SNAP. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 glad you brought, I'm glad you brought that up, Craig, because that is a great example of the power of uh, the Endangered Species Act. You know, if I can see alligators everywhere retention ponds and they're you know outside of little you know ponds at restaurants and uh, any kind of natural area along the side of the road a lot of places and, and and you know for someone like myself 45 who only moved to the state eight years ago you take it for granted that florida was always full of alligators and full of bald eagles and full of pelicans and full of uh, ospreys but that's not the case the endangered species act in the early 70s did bring those species back and jr i'm sure you remember a time when alligators were on that endangered species list and and they were not as common a sight around the state as they are today sure yeah and i've seen all of that in just my lifetime it's been tremendous changes and another part side of that is we're developing the state of Florida so fast that these animals are losing their natural habitat. They, like you mentioned earlier, they would love to stay away from people. We're making that difficult for them. We're taking away the swamps and putting in our shopping centers and highways, and, and they're being forced to live on golf courses and in retention ponds. What caused Sweetie to lose her eyesight? I'm not really sure. She was blind when we took her in, mm-hmm. but my uh, my veterinarians believe it was an injury when she was little. And a lot of times when we get an animal from law enforcement, we don't really get the story behind it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's charges involved or a court case. And I, I had both of them examined because I was hoping it was something they could fix. Yeah. But evidently it was some kind of an injury when she was younger, and there's not anything they can do about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you guys, both being Florida natives, you probably are 
don't remember the first time you saw an alligator in the wild. If you do, please correct me. But uh, again, I my paternal grandparents retired to White Springs, Florida, near Lake City. And on a, a trip when I was in grade school, we stopped at Okefenokee Swamp, which is obviously just outside of Florida. But we did one of those tours at dusk where they shine the spotlight over the uh, surface of the water and you see all the alligator eyes reflecting <laughs> off of that. And I was, oh, you know, eight, nine, ten years old. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, the, Again, it's it's one of those early memories that made me want to live in Florida. And, you know, these species, you know, like the alligator, like the manatee, like the, the, the Florida panther, they are so much a part of every aspect of, of what this state has, has come to be. Now, J.R., tell us how often do you wind up taking Sweetie over to the Key Lime Pie Company? Because the people who shot the video thought this was unusual. This is a rare yeah. thing, but it's not, is it? No, she she goes out quite a bit. She I, I'll take her over to Lakeland. Every second and third grader in Polk County has met Sweetie. <laughs> uh, she goes to all of the local fairs and festivals. Uh, she's probably been to every school in Brevard County because she's so well-behaved. For uninformed people like myself, alligators like cats or dogs or any other animals, I'm sure between individuals there are, are wild personality differences. That's what we found out. We used to think <laughs> reptiles acted only on instinct, and now we know there's definite personalities in there. Of course, they have to take care of their needs. If they're hungry, they're going to look for something to eat. But even though they look similar to each other, we've never had any two the same. There's some that are shy and timid. There's some that are aggressive and, and everything in between, just like our dogs and cats. Every animal has its own unique personality. And sweetie, sweetie is just so laid back and easygoing, and nothing bothers her, nothing stresses her out. I, I can have her at, at an elementary school, you know, when the little kids are kind of pokey and touchy, and when <laughs> she's had enough of it, she just gets up and walks away from them. Yeah. She's, she's never swung her tail at anybody. She's never hissed at anybody. She's just as laid back as she can be. Now, when you take her to the Key Lime Pie Company, she doesn't eat pie, does she? No, she does not. Anytime she's around the public, the state requires us to, you know, have her mouth closed. But they are meat eaters. They're not man eaters, but they are meat eaters. So in the wild, they're going to go after small animals, birds, fish, snakes, turtles. And unfortunately, a dog is a small animal. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they will go after somebody's pets if they're left out there unattended. Uh, but yeah. that's normal, normal behavior for an alligator. Well, one of the things we like to do on, on this podcast is give people a Florida survival tip. And I think the survival tip for today is if you see any body of water bigger than a puddle, assume there's an alligator in it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Big body of water, big alligator, small body of water, small alligator. Before yeah. we say goodbye, Jr. one question I, I had for you, and you're in this industry earlier in 2020, Tiger King was a, a sensation on Netflix. And in my opinion, this showed a disgusting attribute of humanity, these people who breed uh, exotic animals, big cats in particular, to sell them and really profit off the misery of these animals, which were not 
designed to live in captivity, certainly not the way in which these private zoos, so to speak, uh, keep them, which by its very nature is inhumane and abusive at best and terrorizing to the animals at worst. So for a visitor to Florida who sees a sign for a, a roadside attraction, something, oh, it, whether it's Jungle Adventures Park, whether it's the St. Augustine Alligator Farm up by me or around the state, any Orlando, of these places. Orlando, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How can a visitor to one of these places know, hey, this is a legitimate rescue facility, not one of these Tiger King-style, cruel, abusive um, breeding factories, essentially? Yeah, that's, that's a good question, and it's actually pretty difficult until you've already spent your money and gone in there. Yeah. Unfortunately, it does attract a lot of oddball people, like that guy, that, you know, a lot of these guys that are into the big tigers and lions mm-hmm. and stuff. Wild animals do not make good pets. Dogs and cats are good pets. But I, what I try to do is encourage people, if you want to work with these animals, volunteer at a, a rescue or, or somewhere that houses them. Like Jungle Adventures is not a rescue, but we work with a local rescue. A rehabber tries to get a native animal that's healthy back into the wild. But if there's a problem with it or it's been bottle-fed and it's acclimated to people, then they have to be able to find a home for it somewhere mm-hmm. or it has to be euthanized. So that's where Jungle Adventures comes in. They've got enough property. They can house animals that can't go back or take in unwanted exotics. Like, for example, Game and Fish every so often has Amnesty Day where people can turn in these illegal or exotic animals. And then they'll call us and say, hey, we had to take in a couple of monkeys. Can you guys take them in? Or we've we've got some big, huge pythons that were found. That's, you know, one's making the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you guys take them in? And, and that gives us an opportunity to use them for education. But if you see somebody trying to make money, like these guys with the big tigers, and they do pictures uh, with the cubs, see, they can't do that with the bigger animals. Yeah. So they breed them to get these babies just so they can take them out and make money with them. And then the adults is going to end up, once they become bigger and they can't be used as a moneymaker anymore, then people lose interest in them or it's too dangerous or expensive, and then they're stuck at some facility somewhere languishing and yeah. too small of an enclosure, things like that. But if you, if you visit a, a place and they have good enclosures and you can tell that people really love the animals, and they're about education. They're trying to teach people about that kind of a problem or about the animals mm-hmm. in nature. Then, then that's a pretty good facility. But if you see it, somebody just trying to make money. You know, Steve yeah. Irwin used to say, when you're traveling and you see they have some little animal on a on a little leash in the heat, and they're just trying to do five dollar pictures with it, and the animal's not very happy. You know, don't support things like that. Absolutely, don't encourage it. Don't give them any money and keep them going. Absolutely, and you mentioned a couple of good rules of thumb there. Any private facility. We're not talking about the San Diego Zoo here. Any private facility that breeds big cats is on the wrong side of uh, humanity here. Any facility that allows visitors to handle big cats, and it's going to be, like you said, the kittens, JR. It's going to be the small animals. Hey, $25, you get a Polaroid with you holding a white tiger. Realize this, too. All white tigers are inbred. Okay, so if you see a facility that has a lot of white tigers, that's um, a red flag. Any facility that's going to breed, again, private facility that's going to breed big cats 
or let you take your picture handling kittens is uh, off limits and should be. But be aware of this, too. The rules for handling reptiles very much different in a lot of facilities, and I believe Jungle Adventures as well. You can you can handle snakes, you can handle alligators, and that doesn't put the small ones, the same sort of stress on them yeah, that it does tigers and, and lions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're yeah. not going to let you sling Sweetie over your back and take her to Burger King or any place, but the, the small ones you can you can handle. <laughs> so, well, my, my general rule is unless it's my alligator, I'm not picking it up. <laughs> <laughs> when is uh, how how much longer will it be before Sweetie gets too large for you to uh, carry her as you have been, Jr. Well, she's she's almost fifty pounds now. I probably have another year or two that I'll be able to very easily take her to schools and and different locations. But she's going to stay with us her whole life. She can live eighty to yeah. one hundred years. That's great. She wow. can get up to ten feet. The boys will grow fifteen, but the females pop out nine and a half to ten feet, and they can be four or five hundred pounds. Wow! So I will be limited on how long I can take her out <laughs> mobily, but uh, we still will use her at outdoor festivals and fairs, yeah. and of course the students. Uh, different kids and classes and stuff come to our property to visit the animals too. So when she is bigger in another couple or three years, she'll have to probably stay at our property. She'll ha- she has her own enclosure, and we'll still be able to use her for education. We can enter a lot of the big alligators we have. We can get in and interact with them. It depends on their personalities, like we mentioned before. Uh, you know, and one of the questions I get asked a lot is, "Oh, have you bred her? She had babies, you know?" But I said, "No, we don't. We're at our property. We don't breed animals. We if we take in like we took in two black bears a while back." And we wanted their brother and sister. We wanted to keep them together, so mm-hmm. we had the male neutered. Same with uh, we took in a couple of coyotes from a local rehabber that, since they were bottle fed, they couldn't go back into the wild. So we had the male neuter where we can leave them together. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you're breeding animals, you got to find homes for all the offspring. Yeah. So we don't do that at our facility. Well, well, maybe maybe as Sweetie gets larger, maybe someone can get you a card of some sort. <laughs> or oh, she's like using that. the card now. We <laughs> okay. Right. When she gets bigger, you, we got to get, get a, a gator mobile. <laughs> Jungle Adventures Park in Christmas, Florida. I believe it's open every single day of the year. Look them up online, and uh, it's a, a great side road trip if you're traveling up or down I-95 along the Atlantic coast. In uh, or, or or stop in at the Florida Key Lime Pie Place yes. in Cocoa yeah. Beach on the weekend. You're liable to see Sweetie there. <laughs> yeah, she, she's green. out there quite a few Saturdays and Sundays. And and Louie's store, he really pushes Florida products, Florida homemade wines, ice cream, beers, hot sauces, all made in Florida. That's great. Fantastic. Yeah, and, and the Jungle Adventures is built on a... 20-acre sulfur swamp. Now, it's not Disney. If you like manicured lawns and everything squeaky clean, you'll love the theme parks. But if you want to see the real Florida, then you visit the older parks. The Key Lime Pie Store is a really, really neat little little shop up there by Ron Johns. And, and they sell gator jerky, right? He does, but I, and I'm not sure where... That may come from either the St. Augustine Park or Gatorland in Kissimmee. Those are I both bet it farms. Comes from one of those. But you were telling me you were telling me before that sometimes people will be petting Sweetie and eating the gator jerky at the same time, <laughs> and not, and then not they realize me, the irony. Does she eat jerky? I said, well, she eats any kind of meat. <laughs> <laughs> J.R. Green from Jungle Adventures Park, thank you for your time today to read more about uh, Craig's story with J.R. Visit the uh, Florida Phoenix online.
and all the best of luck to you and uh, Sweetie in the future. Thank you, guys. Before we wind up, I mentioned the statewide nuisance alligator program. Mm-hmm. The hotline number, if you have one that's a serious nuisance, don't call them for frivolous stuff, it's 866-FWC-GATOR or 866-392-4286. Good advice. Okay? Yeah, people will run into alligators uh, when they are in Florida. Give them their space, and they will give yeah. you your space. One of my favorite things, Craig, in all of the state of Florida is the St. Augustine Alligator Farm in St. Augustine. It is the only place in the world that has examples of every single crocodilian species on the planet. They have a fantastic captive breeding program for endangered species. They have done incredible work with species rehabilitation. Some of these uh, animals from, you know, China and Southeast Asia, where like the Florida panther was here 30, 40 years ago, the the numbers are in the the, the teens, the 20s. And the captive breeding that uh, they have done at the St. Augustine Alligator Farm is fantastic. Anyone who's visiting St. Augustine, traveling through the Northeast, Florida area. I I could not recommend more highly you visiting them and and learning about the incredible work they're doing to bring back many of these species of alligators and crocodiles from all over the world. And in the spring, they've got a native bird rookery. If you like your herons and your storks and all of those sort of birds like I do, visit the alligator farm in St. Augustine in uh, April and May, and you'll be arm's length from rosate spoonbill chicks and great egret chicks and great blue heron chicks and wood stork chicks. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal resource to this entire state. That's great. Well, before we close, I wanted to say two things. I wanted to mention two, mm-hmm. two more things about alligators. One is Florida is the only place in the world where alligators and crocodiles live together in peace mm-hmm. uh, with each other, not necessarily with us. And second— And that uh, is the, allig- the Everglades, for folks who don't know. Yeah, yeah. They, they're especially—believe it or not, down near the uh, uh, Turkey Point nuclear plant. That's where an awful lot of the crocodiles are. Uh, although they're starting to spread out around through the Keys, and occasionally one of them actually showed up in uh, the Tarpon Springs area. He traveled about really? 300 miles to get wow. there. Wow, that's they far. Him and Holy took him cow. All the way back. So <laughs> who knows where he's headed now? Second, to me, alligators are heroes because they are our front line of defense against the pythons in the Everglades. You know, you've mm-hmm. seen lots of pictures and videos. There are videos of them battling the pythons, you know, both of them rolling around. Yeah. And also, I know of three instances where alligators actually helped the police capture suspects. You're kidding. No, I'm not. And, uh, you know, talk about taking a bite out of crime. Man. <laughs> Do you, okay, okay, give me the specifics of one, if you can recall it. Uh, a guy had stolen a car and was driving away with it with the police in pursuit, and an alligator was crossing the road in front of him, and he hit the alligator and crashed. (laughs) (laughs) Only in Florida. It really is only in Florida. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, before um, we wrap up this first episode, I want to uh, give folks, along with Jungle Adventures Park, along with the St. Augustine Alligator Farm, something else for folks to do who are cooped up, as you may or may not be in quarantine, and that is the... Orlando Museum of Art has an exhibit right now, and the Orlando Museum of Art is open. It is called Living Color, Art of the Florida Highwaymen. These were a group of 26 or so. All of them were African-American. One of them was female. They worked in the Fort Pierce area, which is sort of midway between Miami and Daytona, and 
they painted between the 1950s and by the 80s, their style had had kind of waned. And these are the Florida Highwaymen. uh, I wrote about this at at Forbes.com, and you can go there and read more. These were these wildly colorful, the tangerine and the lime and the, the mango colors that the, the paintings almost bordered on, on kitsch, you know, because they were, they were so technicolor, Wizard of Oz, kind of these rich, saturated colors of the wild landscape scenes and the, the beaches and the swamps. And these paintings, because these were uh, black artists, they chose to do this for a living. They didn't come up, you know, through the fine arts, uh, you know, taking lessons and going to college no, and doing not this. academy trained people, no, no. no. But so their, the, their work is gorgeous. Oh, fantastic. 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 And because they were painting to earn a living, they had to produce volume. And they got the Highwayman name because they sold their paintings, oftentimes out of their trunk, along US-1. They would go up and down the road and sell to tourists or, or new residents. They developed a style called fast painting. Some of these artists could produce dozens of painting in a day. Educated guesses put the output of the Florida Highwaymen over 200,000 paintings. And to me, there's like this repressed memory I have of, of visiting Florida in my, in my youth and then returning to these Florida Highwaymen paintings. I surely at some point must have seen these because they're imprinted on my brain in, in, in sort of that <laughs> non-specific way that, that very early childhood memories are. And yeah. I think so much about the mystique of Florida and the myth in the aura of these colors. And again, I, I was born and raised in Wisconsin. You know, we, we do not get these sunsets uh, and the, the color of this water and the grass uh, that we have here in Florida. And, and somewhere in my, my brain, this was imprinted on me, having seen a, a Florida Highwayman painting. And they were everywhere. Doctors' yeah. offices, restaurants. Restaurant. Yeah, those, yeah. Those, and you every once in a while, you can find one of those old Florida places, and you might run across one of these Florida Highwaymen pictures, and they are just mm-hmm. fantastic. The second you lay your eyes on it, you'll know yeah. you've seen one because it's just a, a totally different value of color and tone. And you would think it would be unrealistic unless you've lived in Florida. And then you can mm-hmm. say, you know what, I've seen that sunset. You know, exactly. I, I've seen that swell on the water. Mm-hmm. So if you're right. looking for something to do, Orlando Museum of Art, Living Color, Art of the Florida Highwaymen. Awesome. Welcome to Florida.